Hello, welcome back to How About That Crypto. Today, we are talking about proof of work and proof of stake. These are the consensus protocols that secure and validate transactions on the net, secure the network and validate transactions on the network. Ethereum has moved to proof of stake and Bitcoin is still proof of work. All right. Now, remember, this is not financial advice. If you like the content, please let me know by leaving a comment below. Use links below to do your own research. All right, I'm just going to share my screen with this document just in case you're looking at this screen, in case you're watching. If you're listening, it doesn't really matter. Uh, I'm going to do my best to explain the differences between proof of work and proof of stake. Okay, so... What I what I have here is Investopedia and it's called the proof of stake. So it says here that with proof of stake, just a background here, Ethereum just transitioned from proof of work to proof of stake. Bitcoin is still proof of work. When you and why do you even care? Because because right now we're in such early stages of this entire industry that the government is trying to decide how to regulate this. Now, one of the big complaints about proof of work is the energy consumption and proof of stake now seem to be the darling because it is so low energy consuming it's 99% less energy consuming than the proof of work that it that it was current that was recently on however immediately the day after the one of the lead regulators of the SEC the head of the SEC came out and said proof of stake might make make ETH a security. He didn't say ETH, but he was saying how proof of stake could be considered a security or the proof of stake protocols could be make the crypto coin that runs on that protocol a security. So now it's like, wait a minute, is this really what we should have done? Should we have upgraded the Ethereum to proof of stake well, there's a debate about that, but guess what? It doesn't matter because it's already proof of stake and they're going to need to compete. They're going to be faster. They're going to need to be uh, cheaper to transact on. You need to be able to compete with credit card companies if you want to usher in this crypto concept of of banking and moving money around the world like right now why would someone use a system that is slow and expensive when they can use a system that is fast and cheap so there's a lot of uh, competitors against ethereum that are coming out and saying oh look we're already proof of stake we were designed that way from the beginning we're super fast and we're super cheap why would you want to use ethereum well the reality is that ethereum has been around longer and has a lot more applications built on it so you get the net the value of ethereum is far greater because the amount of people already on and using the network so and the companies that are on the ethereum network they're building their own blockchains called layer twos or side chains on top of ethereum that are already faster and cheaper so one could argue that there's we shouldn't have ever even moved it off of proof of stake because why it's not necessary because you can always use layer twos. Um, but ultimately, there's a lot of transactions that happen right on the Ethereum chain and not on side chains or these layer two chains. And um, and what I'm talking about layer two and side chains is think Polygon. Matic Polygon Matic has its own chain. It's connected to Ethereum, and you have the likes of Starbucks, um, 
DraftKings, Mercedes-Benz, all building on Polygon and Disney, all working with the Polygon chain. It, they're working with it because it doesn't cost money. I mean, it's super cheap and it doesn't consume a bunch of energy so they could feel good about their ESG compliance. Okay, so... Um, so that's proof of stake, proof of, proof of stake or no, sorry, that's not proof of stake. That's what's happening. That's where we're at right now. So you got the proof of work versus the proof of stake. You got Ethereum versus Bitcoin. And some people want to group these things together and say that Bitcoin is going to change to become a proof of stake protocol. But that's just ridiculous because Bitcoin is a completely different animal. So what we need, so the point of this video is to help you understand why you do not group all cryptocurrencies together. Bitcoin is its own thing. Bitcoin being proof of work keeps it more like a commodity. It keeps it more, it keeps it, it's slow, it's clunky, it's not cheap to to enter to transact on. However, that's okay because gold is the same way. Gold is expensive. It's energy intensive. It pollutes. It has a human cost to it. It's not healthy conditions for the workers. Gold Mining gold is terrible, much worse than just consuming a lot of energy because that energy could be green, which according to a lot of counts, 70% of Bitcoin mining is done with renewable energy. So anyway, that's a whole nother topic. There's a link in the description below if you want to know more about Bitcoin mining and the environment. So anyway, <clears throat> these are very different. They, they are trying to solve two different, completely different problems. Bitcoin is not trying to be MasterCard or Visa. However, I think it would might have initially started off trying to be cash, but cash needs to be fast transactions and low transaction fees because you can't do micropayments uh, it's not that worth it. Like if you do a small enough of a of a transaction, it, the transaction fee could cost you more than the amount of money you wanted to send in the first place. So it's more like gold. It's more like a commodity money. Like gold is a commodity money. People hold gold because they consider it valuable, a store of value. And so people ultimately... Uh, in theory, it looks to me like more and more people are thinking of Bitcoin that way. However, you know, there's still upgrades that can happen to the protocols. I don't see it changing away from proof of work, but we could add smart contracts and build more applications on it. Um, so we'll just have to see what happens. But for right now, Bitcoin is very different. Ethereum is more like the Internet and then a network of applications. You could also think of it like a mall with a bunch of different stores in it. Uh, Ethereum would be the mall itself, and all these other stores are in it. And Ethereum might run the right, might run the food court, and they might they might run the parking lot. So like, but they're collecting, but they're making money. The more money they make, or sorry, the more people that want to use Ethereum is based on how good of the stores that are in the mall, how good of these applications that are built on it, how many people want to visit these stores, how many people want to use these applications on Ethereum. <clears throat> so anyway, so what is Ethereum? What is this proof of work? Or sorry, let's talk about what is proof of work since we were talking about Bitcoin already. Proof of work is you have, you have miners and you have validator nodes. And the miners are participate in securing the network uh, through uh, salt using hash power or or energy 
to solve complex mathematical puzzles. And then once you once your machine it wins that puzzle, then you are rewarded with the opportunity to record the transactions and collect a monetary reward from it. However, it, just because you've won that block of transactions doesn't mean that you can doesn't mean that you can put whatever transaction you want in there. You can't put a transaction that pays yourself from other people's wallets. That would be considered not valid by the validator nodes. The nodes have to have to confirm the blocks. So so you have two different entities performing performing these functions. So one records the transactions, one validates the transactions. The validators get no monetary reward. They're just doing it to secure the network. Most miners run their own validator nodes, uh, which makes sense because like if it costs money, you don't have an incentive to pay for the validator nodes, even though it's not that expensive. Uh, why would you do it? You have no financial incentive. You only do it because you believe in the Bitcoin network. It's not a very great incentive, in my opinion. Okay, so uh, so when it comes to security, the security is in is is in those mathematical computational puzzles where it requires more and more energy and more and more machines. And the more people that get on the network, the heart the higher the difficulty level goes. So basically, the more adoption Bitcoin gets, the more energy it's going to consume. And that is to prevent anyone from coming in and trying to take over the network. Okay. And proof of so that's proof of work. Proof of stake is there are no miners. That's ninety nine percent more energy efficient, and you have the the way that instead of miners you have validator nodes, and these validator nodes is basically like a software running on a computer that's plugged into the internet and powered up um fully i don't know if there's like a rule or anything like that you have to be up and running 24 7 i don't i would assume not because way the way the validators work work is they get selected at random so how do you become a validator node since there's no miners well validator nodes have to put up collateral it's a pretty large amount of collateral it's 32 eth which is currently around 50,000 close to fifty thousand dollars forty five thousand something like that depending on the price so you have to put up this collateral and then you create like this node with this collateral, but it's also connected to the software that's connected to the internet, that's connected to the network. Um, but essentially what you need to know is you need to put up your money. Well, okay, so where's the security at? Well, the security is if you if your node, you put in bad data into the block and try to say, try to say, try to say that transactions happen that did not happen when they're compared against the other nodes. And then when they check the blockchain and say, wait a minute, that's not right. That transaction isn't right. Then you lose your collateral. So, so in proof of work in Bitcoin, they try to prevent attacks and bad actors by requiring high computational power. Well, if a, if in proof of work, someone puts in a bad transaction then they then they're considered void and someone else comes in and takes over that block and they get the monetary reward and the transactional and transaction fees well in 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 ethereum it's and proof of stake you if you put in that bad if you put in those bad transactions you lose your collateral you can get what they call slashing where they take your money so 
So what about taking over the network? You know, there's no high computational power needed. Well, in order to do that, you'd have to spend you'd have to spend so much money and create enough validator pools, enough pools of money, enough validator nodes to where you're constantly getting selected to you like you're constantly getting selected to validate the transactions and record the transactions in the blocks. And that from based on my 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 research, it sounds like it's actually harder to take over the network in proof of stake versus proof of work, which I think is interesting. Uh, so anyway, I don't know which is better, but like this is just my research. OK, so I'm going to kind of read this here. This is Investopedia. This says uh, with proof of stake, cryptocurrency owners validate block transactions based on the number of staked coins. Proof of stake, stake your coins. Proof of stake was created as an alternative proof of work, the original consensus mechanism used to validate a blockchain and add new blocks. Remember, blockchain technology, distributed ledgers, think of spreadsheets on a bunch of different people's computers, and those those and there's val these validators have these have the full list of transactions. Everyone has the same list. So they're the ones that are watching out for for false transactions to happen. All right. And. And. Each validator node and each miner gets to record the transaction data or the data in that block. And then once it's re all recorded, then the validator nodes check it. If it's legit, it gets sealed and then it goes on to the next block, the next miner or the next validator node. While proof-of-work mechanisms require miners to solve cryptographic puzzles, proof-of-stake mechanisms require validators to hold and stake the tokens for the privilege of earning transaction fees. Proof-of-stake is seen as less risky regarding the potential for an attack on the network as it structures compensation in a way that makes an attack less advantageous. So think about it. If you're trying to buy up a bunch of Ethereum to, buy, to create a bunch of nodes to take over the network, what do you think is going to happen to the price? <laughs> the price is just going to keep going up and up and up. So it's going to become more and more and more and more expensive as you buy more and more and more Ethereum. The next block writer on the blockchain is selected at random with higher odds being assigned to nodes with larger stake positions. Oh, look at that. I just learned something. So the larger the stake position, the more likely that you get. Oh, it says larger stake positions. So does that mean you you have a validator node of every 32 Ethereum? So and then so like if you have. 3200 ethereum does that mean you have a hundred nodes i guess that's what it means i guess that's what they're saying uh so so there's some questions here here you go to become a validator a coin owner must stake a specific amount of coins for instance ethereum requires 32 eth to be staked before user can become validator blocks are valid by more than blocks are validated by more than one validator when a specific number of validators verify that the block is accurate, it is finalized and closed. So one validator records the transactions because they're selected at random. And the other validators that are out there, they're also part of this process because they got to make sure that that person who's recording transactions is doing the right thing. All right. And let's see. All right. So. Those are the di that's the different ways. So you have validate proof of stake using staked ETH as collateral. If you're a bad actor, you get your money taken, and the other validating pools will verify that you're not a bad actor. In proof of work, you have to buy machines, you have to do 
you have to pay for power and you have to win solve these mathematical puzzles that get more and more difficult requiring more and more energy as the as there's more and more miners and usage of the blockchain and there are validator nodes that get no financial incentive that verify those transactions, which means that a lot of miners run their own nodes. So they're verifying themselves. So this is only works because there are miners all over the world. But at the end of the day, like what is the advantages and disadvantages? So what I have done is I've done a little bit of research. I did. I listened to some videos. I, I heard these really great debates. You can use check out the links below. Um, so proof of stake with Ethereum, especially, you know, they have smart contracts. They have applications written on it. Um, there is a lot more code. There's a lot more functions and features. And all of those functions and features are susceptible to attack. So while you might not be able to take over the network because the cost of doing so would be so great, you and you're not going to be able to record bad trans bad transactions because you lose your stake that doesn't mean that other parts of the blockchain can't be attacked the so think about that so like ethereum could have bugs the new proof of stake could have bugs that we don't know about and that could cause a lot of pain in the future now proof of uh, sorry okay so that's so so that's that like proof of work bitcoin doesn't really have all those all those potential points of failure so that's why the, some people consider proof of work more secure however the cost of taking over proof of stake network seems does seem to be higher so there you go uh let's see both of these have uh have disadvantages um so the first disadvantage is that at the end of the day the whole concept of crypto is to not to make it not like our current banking system which only rewards incumbents and entrenched actors so like newcomers into the space into banking if you want to get into banking you probably are coming from banking and already have the backing of other bankers so like the likelihood of of a of someone competing at a reasonable level in the banking industry is pretty low. You know, there's a lot of regulation. There's a lot of red tape that costs a ton of money. You have to have so much money just to have your compliance department worked out. You know, that's not necessarily a bad thing for consumers and investor protection. But at the same time, uh, what it does is all it does is keep those in power in power. And it also keeps those in power to continue to get more and more wealthy, which helps them control more and more of the system. So you're really only benefiting the top, like the rest of the people don't benefit as much. There's a lot of inequity in our system, at our current banking system. So what the whole concept of crypto is to get rid of that, but I don't really, I don't know. Is that really the case? Because the more research I do, I the more I realize that both have owners of capital have advantage. The more money you have, the more pools staking are sorry, yeah, the more staking pools you can have in Ethereum. So that doesn't give me great feeling. Well, then well, what about proof of work? Proof of work. The more money you have, the more rigs you can buy, the more energy you can consume, and the more the more discounts you can get. You know, you have economies of scale. So, like in a day, this sounds a lot like, you know, basically the more money you have, the more power you have. And so there is no real 
truly like lack of centralization of power. Like it's just not, I don't see, see it. It's let it's more decentralized than our current system. Sure. But at the end of the day, the people who make the most money from this system and have the most control over the system are the people with the most money. So that's just how I see it. So let me know if that's not right. But at the end of the day, that's was that's how it looks to me. So boom, tell me what you think about that. So you how so in terms of centralization, the the power rests in the miners with Bitcoin because they're the only ones that can vote to change the code. The validators have to agree, but if all the validators are all common folk because they can afford a $1,200 machine and run it in their basement, um, you know, that's not that common, but it's more common than the people who can afford to run a mining facility. So, um, so imagine the people running the nodes say, you know, what? I don't, I don't agree with your upgrades. So I'm not going to approve your transactions and I'm not going to approve this. But like all the all you need is one node. So the miners could have their own nodes and they'll be moving at a faster pace, validating their own transactions, which means that they could essentially run the entire network by themselves. They don't need the validator nodes, it sounds like, because what the system is is created to take the longest chain. So as long as the Bitcoin miners are running their nodes and they agree then then the chain is going to get longer and longer and longer and that's going to be considered the valid chain so the nodes have real no power it's really comes down to the miners um coin holders and other stakeholders have no say i mean you can vote but like at the end of the day it comes down to the miners barriers of entry are the cost of the bitcoin mining machines and the setup and the electricity retail aka common folk like me, are at a disadvantage because we do not have the money to buy enough of these machines to win a block. Ethereum centralization of power and control is with stakers who change for changes to occur. More stakeholders get a vote. So so it is. it seems like it's a little less decentralized because this you anybody can put their money into a pool. You don't have to have 32 ETH. There are there are ways that you can pull your money with complete strangers and collect the fees for the transactions and participate in governance and security of the network by owning a very small amount of Ethereum. So it sounds sounds like easier access and less barriers to entry in order to earn uh earn money for participating in the in holding coins so like bitcoin you don't have no incentive to hold your coins other than speculation that the price will continue to go up based on whatever uh whatever reason you think it's going to go up but in ethereum you will earn your ETH transaction fees regardless no matter what how uh, unless of course the system people stop using the system but that just doesn't look like that's happening so you could essentially say you're guaranteed a return just for holding the coins which means that you can like put your money to work you know how cool is that uh now this all of course doesn't talk about why it might have more regulatory scrutiny but i think it's important for when these conversations are being had that we all understand the difference between proof of work and proof of stake so I'm just going to read a couple of things here and then I'm going to sign off 
Uh, proof of work consensus algorithm is the most commonly used of blockchain technology. It, I just don't know that that's accurate because the only person who uses Bitcoin, and Bitcoin is significantly larger than all of them, so that must be what they're trying to say, is it's the most commonly used. Because this is an old article, it says both Bitcoin and Ether are using proof of work. And says, so this is an old article talking about it, but they also just kind of go in and explain the difference. The two most important promises of blockchain are decentralization and immutable record. It's a distributed database that the computers on the network called nodes maintain a shared manner. All nodes are complete ledgers. Example, they have the entry transa entire transaction history in the blockchain. Hence, the blockchain technology is also called distributed ledger network or distributed ledger technology. The network can't be destroyed by taking out any central server. So it's decentralized in the sense that there's no one place that this information is stored. So, But at the same time, the people who have control over the network and make the most money off the network are the people with more money, but the barriers of entry and proof of stake are lower. Now, last and final piece is censorship. Censorship is a big concern with proof of stake because as I reported on Monday, the... 41% of all transactions were validated by two groups, Coinbase and Lido. Lido is where you can group your money with other people and you group your other Ethereum with group your Ethereum with other people and participate in one of these validator nodes and earn a return. So that's a little bit more decentralized. But Coinbase is making all these decisions for you and validating for you and they're giving you some of the some of the staking revenue as well. So the problem is that if the government comes in and says we need to stop these transactions or prevent this from happening, etc., then all they have to do is go to Coinbase and lar these larger pooling places which most people are probably going to keep their money on an exchange. So at the, over time, the regulators and the government's just going to go after the exchanges because they're going to be the ones controlling the network, most likely. That's what it's looking like. And if that's the case, then so much for decentralization like and immutable records, like you can turn back the, the hands of time on these transactions. It's been it's happened before. So it definitely can be done. So there's a big concern about that. With proof of work, it's a little harder. You'd have to control the miners. But because the miners aren't heavily concentrated in one area, I think the U.S. controls like 30%. At one point in time, China controlled 60%. And that's a major, major concern because the Chinese government could have pressured the miners in that instance to do things that weren't legitimate or take over them or whatever they could do like bad actors illicit transactions and stuff so anyway that is proof of work and proof of stake you got censorship concerns like how much control can the government have it looks like with proof of stake they can have a lot more control just because uh we've already seen that there is a high concentration of validation and uh happening by a small group of people, which just reinforces the argument that proof of stake really rewards owners of capital. So it's a, it seems to be a little less, little more prone to censorship and government intervention. And then you have 
then you have Bitcoin or proof of work doesn't seem to be as prone to government intervention. Centralization seems higher with Bitcoin, actually, in terms of power, uh, but not the distributed ledger aspect of it, which then kind of ties into the government's ability to regulate it and, and control it. So and then when it comes to uh, what was the other one? Um, security. It seems like they're both pretty secure. It seems like they're both secure. Um, but it just seems like proof of stake is probably better for the common folk to earn a return, but only in a regulated environment. If you want to own something that is really outside the manipulation and control of a government, something that's a little more sound like gold, even though that's really controlled and manipulated by central banks, uh, really at the end of the day, like Bitcoin is really where you want to store value uh, and store your money that's outside of debasement uh, from central banks. However, central banks, it's hard for them to debase. I guess they'd have a consorted effort. They could dump gold to control, manipulate the price. But um, Bitcoin is limited. Proof of work cannot be controlled by the government. Proof of stake seems to have more control, that be more susceptible to control by the government, but has lower barrier to entry for common folks. So my consensus is to own both. Own Bitcoin, buy the same amount of both and have my commodity hard money Bitcoin and have, have, my, have my stake in this next evolution of the internet, a lot of programs are going to run on it and I can sit there and collect a fee. It's kind of like owning a section of cable that AT&T laid. And every time information passes through that cable, I get to collect a toll. It's That's kind of how I see it. So like, how cool would it be if you could actually get paid for people using the network on any network, whether it's Facebook, Google, Verizon, whatever network you want to call it. Imagine if you could get paid for a small entry fee. So consent, my, what I'm saying is I like both. What do you like? What do you dislike? What do you agree? What do you disagree? Let me know, leave a comment below. And if you did not understand this, please send me a message. If you're listening on podcast, it is listen at howaboutthatcrypto.com. How about B-O-U-T. There's not how about, it's how about that crypto.com. So you can send a message there, leave a comment below. I'd love to know what you think. Have a good day. Hoddle on.